Well, good afternoon, church, as we're reminded. Yes, hello. Ray, we are still all wide awake. That's good. Good afternoon, church. And look, if you're joining us online, uh, live from St. Albans here now, uh, good afternoon to you, uh, or if you are on catch-up, uh, to quote a line from the Truman Show, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are, so uh, in Futuresville. Anyway, lovely to see you. Thanks for joining us online as well. So we are in day 35 of our 40 Days of Breakthrough series. If you're new with us, we start every year with a 40 Days of Something uh, series. So this is 40 Days of Breakthrough. And we've been praying as a church for supernatural, God-given breakthrough in key roadblocks areas of our personal lives, uh, for our friends, our family, uh, for our church, our community, our town, and even perhaps our nation or our world, depending on how big your prayers have been. And we've been crying out to God for seeing change in this year, and I'm hoping you'll continue to do that. And to help us on our journey of 40 days, uh, here we are, day 35, we've chosen to illustrate uh, this journey, this story, by some fantastic Old Testament stories of breakthrough, where God's people were up against uh, a lot of opposition in big trouble, and God brought supernatural breakthrough for each of them. If you were with us right at the very beginning, I started off with the very definition of breakthrough, a place that got called God of the breakthrough, where David uh, broke through the ranks of his enemies and, and it's, uh, against the Philistines. It basically said God broke through like a, like a raging flood, like a pent-up flood in one sense, breaking through the ranks of the Philistine army. And then John, the following week, talked about the very famous story of David now as a little shepherd boy uh, coming against this champion called Goliath and just trusting in God and believing in God and just with a simple stone was able to beat the champion and then defeat the entire army. Uh, Lance unpacked the story of Jericho, how the walls fell, fell down. We sung, even sung about it this morning. Uh, just by simply obeying God's word, God's word of instruction to them, how they saw, a, again, a fantastic victory. A few weeks back, Sarah unpacked the story of Elijah with the prophets of Baal, this one guy who stood in faith against a whole nation that were against God, but saw supernatural breakthrough in God's provision. Last week, Johanna um, unpacked the story of another king, King Jehoshaphat, who was faced with this mighty army, and God said, you don't have to worry this is my fight, and he stepped in, and they didn't even raise an arm to, uh, to fight the enemy. And next week, Ant is going to finish us off in style, I'm sure, by talking about the amazing story of Gideon, how he defeated the Midianites with just a handful of men. That's in seven days' time. And straight away, the mathematicians have all gone mad at me. They're going, hang on a bit. If day's 35, Phil, and seven days' time, that's 42 days of breakthrough. Come on. Well, you lot can have Thursday and Friday off. That's okay. So you feel happy now. It's only 40 days. Take Thursday and Friday off this week to make you feel happier. But here's my thing, right? So it wasn't really just about 40 days. It was about the whole year. And we just encourage you to keep praying into 2024. Yes, it's been about focusing our attention on these 40 days. But we want to set a process here by which we keep going into 2024, trusting God for breakthrough. And right at the beginning of this, 
Um, some would go, it's a lovely prophetic scripture that's kind of been a motivation on the journey. That if you remember the, it's, I think we'll bring it up on the screen, won't we? Um, Luke chapter 4, and it was Jesus quoting from the prophet Isaiah right at the beginning of his ministry. And he basically said, uh, this is the year of the Lord's favour. And what Isaiah was talking about, because Jesus quoted Isaiah, and reading from the scroll of Isaiah, was basically saying the year of jubilee. If you know the story there, that was one in every 50 years where everything was reset. If you'd given land away, you got it back in the 50th year. If you uh, had a, a loan or a debt with somebody, it was cancelled in year 50. Bottom line, everything was reset how it was supposed to be. And that's our prayer for this year that everything is realigned, reset, back to how God intended it to be. You up for that, church? That's what we're praying into, right? And look, if you get breakthrough, and when you get breakthrough, I should say, because we're trusting in God for this, then if we can, uh, your lovely little email address, breakthrough at coastlinevineyard.church. Please send us your stories. Thank you for those who have already so encouraged and hear stories of God healing families, healing physically, seeing people come to faith and, uh, and situations, the relationship breakdowns being restored. So thank you for sharing those stories. Keep sharing those stories with us because this is what this whole thing's been about, right? It's been about breakthrough. It's not just about a teaching series. It's actually seeing breakthrough coming through. Right. Okay. So let's get on with today's motivational story, encouraging story from God's Word. If you've got a Bible... Have a look at 2 Kings, uh, well, I say 18 and 19, but keep your thumb in 19. Uh, I was going to try and cover these two chapters, but frankly, there's a lot of scripture, not a lot of time. So uh, I've decided to summarize a bit of 2 Kings 18, and I'll read you some scripture from 2 Kings 19, and of course, it will come up beautifully on the screen, thanks to the miles of technology at the back, so thank you, team. Um, so let's read together 2 Kings 18 19. I say, what I'll do is I'll give you some, um, some context, some summary of 18, and then we'll read a bit from 19 together, if that's okay. Um, so let's just tell you the story. So this is uh, our story this morning is king in the blue corner is King Hezekiah, and in the red corner, King Sennacherib. That's his name. He's not a vitamin tablet. That's his name, Okay. Uh, king Sennacherib, he was a uh, Assyrian king, a pagan king, and he was a pretty mean dude, right? He'd uh, pretty much gone into, uh, so the nation of Israel and Judah are separated into two uh, different identities at this stage. The kingdom's been divided. Israel, pretty much forgotten about God, gone off the rails, loads of bad kings, loads of bad issues, and God had basically said to him, right, well, then I'm going to hand you over to your enemies, and uh, the nation has pretty much been wiped out now by the Assyrians. But Hezekiah was the king of Judah, and he was a good king. In fact, it says uh, that you know, in Scripture that he, was, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. So he was this you know, sawtooth, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. Hezekiah was one of the good guys, but he had a problem because out of his bedroom window, when he looked across to Israel, they'd been pretty much wiped out by this vast, vast army that, say, had ransacked the whole nation and just in the few early years of his reign, 
pretty much wiped out Samaria and taken everybody back to Assyria. And to be fair, the Assyrians have been around for a while, and his dad, Ahaz, was not a good king, and he basically said, right, the way to deal with this horrible Assyrian army is I'm going to pay them off, give them some money, give them some cash, and hopefully they'll go away. But Hezekiah, being the kind of chap that he was, said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to follow, and follow God and trust in God, and I'm not going to pay you any more taxes, he says to the Assyrian, uh, the Assyrian administrators. I'm going to rebel against you, I'm not going to pay you the taxes. So what happens for that great step of faith? The tanks of the Assyrian army roll into Judah, wipe out a number of cities on the outskirts, and then basically park their tanks right on the lawn of Jerusalem, besieging the city. Poor guy, right? He probably, I bet he wished he hadn't done it, but there you go. It is, it is what it is. So that was his problem. So we then have, in 18 and 19, 2 Kings 18 and 19, a whole script of insults thrown by the Assyrian army and Hezekiah, bless him, standing in defense and saying, we trust in God. We believe God is able to rescue us. You've got this kind of lovely script, if you get time to read it, maybe in the week, 2 Kings 18 and 19. And it's, we get this situation, we'll come into some scripture now, we'll read together. We get a situation now where basically the, the underlings, as they, get, as they get called, the officials now, of the Assyrian army, uh, there's this quite amusing thing when they're having a conversation with the officials of, of Jerusalem outside the city wall, and uh, they say, well, basically, you're going to get wiped out when you hand yourself over to us. And they're going, keep it down, mate, because people on the wall are listening, right? So uh, there's this little bit where they then shout out and say, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. You know, his God isn't going to rescue you. Come with us. Give yourself up to us. I mean, it's quite a little, sort of little dialogue. If you get a chance, read it. Anyway, in response to this, this sort of insult-throwing uh, moment, we get to 2 Kings 19. And we'll read a bit of this now, if we may, because it's good to do that. So I'm going to read from 2 Kings 19, verse 1. When King Hezekiah heard this, these insults, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. The, the, that's the Isaiah you, you have in the Old Testament. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. I love Hezekiah's heart here, right? In, in the sort of midst of all this insult and threat and basically them slagging God off and saying he's not going to rescue you, dear old Hezekiah comes into the temple with worship and puts on this sort of mourning clothes, this sackcloth they used to wear, and then says, let's go and get the prophet. Let's go and get the prophet Isaiah. Let's find out what God's got to say. What God's got to say. What a great response that was to this time of, as he says, distress and rebuke and disgrace. And Isaiah, bless his heart, comes back with something pretty encouraging. If you look down to verse 5 now of 2 Kings 19, you get Isaiah's initial response. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, the king, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you've heard. Those words of which these, these underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country. And there I will have him cut down 
with the sword. So Isaiah speaks prophetically into the demise of the Assyrian army and the king, uh, Sennacherib. Right, so why are we reading this? Well, we believe in God's living word, don't we? Yeah, right, good, I'm glad we do. Uh, otherwise we wouldn't be here. Right, we believe in God's living word, and we believe that when we read God's word, it's relevant not just for the time, but really relevant for us now, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Good. So let's see what we can learn from this for our own journey of praying for breakthrough, of crying out for breakthrough, because that's what this whole thing's been about. Well, the first thing there is, look, what did Hezekiah do face with this kind of big problem, this mighty army? First thing first, he worshipped. Second thing, he sent for the prophetic. You know, we believe in the prophetic here, right? You know, if you've got a problem and you, you know, want to fight it on your own, that's great. But, 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 you know, there's good people here who can speak God's word into your life. The church was never supposed to be a non-profit organization. I used that joke earlier. I just was regretting saying it again, but there you go. But it's true, right? So, so we believe in the prophetic, and it can be extremely powerful to have a clear prophetic word spoken over you that keeps you going in the darkest moments of doubt. That's certainly been true with me, right? So not everybody will know my story, and I haven't got time to tell it all, but I went from a corporate career to sort of doing what I'm doing now, which is working for the church, and that was quite a big transition for me, right? And the Lord, without telling you all the details, it's a long story, but the Lord was gracious enough to give me a very clear prophetic word in that process, which is, I have to say, you know, we've gone back to time and time again, how God provided and opened the door for us. So the first lesson from this thing, when you're praying for breakthrough, seek out worship, seek out the prophetic and hold on to it. But let's move on. Some more lessons to learn. So let's go on a bit more scripture into 2 Kings 19 verse 9. And what happens now is, dear old Sennacherib, can't say it, uh, is, is, doesn't take no for an answer easily, right? He doesn't listen to God or any of the, the kind of things that Isaiah is saying about him. So he carries on. Now personally, this is his own message. He seems to write something down and sends it king to king to Hezekiah. And it says this in verse 9. So he, that's Sennacherib, again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, don't let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given to the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. He's a cheerful chap, isn't he? And you will be delivered. Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? No, he's saying. So what he's doing is saying, look, you know, let's have a look at my war CV. In fact, he goes on to list a bunch of other sort of gods that he's defeated in his own language. And he just says to Hezekiah, bit of a reality, reality check. You know that prophet yours, he's saying, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. Let me show you my war CV. Let me just show you all the nations I've defeated and all the gods I've defeated. And that's what the enemy does, doesn't he? He says, this is never going to be sorted out. This is always going to be an issue. This is never going to be resolved. And it's such tosh, frankly. Right? It's such tosh. And, and sometimes we suck it up, don't we? Sometimes we just sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah we listen to it all, right? 
But let's take a note from Hezekiah here. He stands firm on the word of God. He stands firm on the message that the, um, the prophet gave to him. And when you're praying in breakthrough, you, know, you need to, to remember whose fight it really is. Because here's the thing with this. But let's go on to... Um, well, let's go on to read a bit more, actually, before I get into that. Let, let's just read down, to, down from verse, I think it's 16 now. So this kind of insult has come to him in a, in a letter, and dear old Hezekiah basically takes the letter and brings it into the temple. Let's read it, actually. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prays to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord. See, listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule who? The living God. Now, I'm making that emphasis there because the insult from Sennacherib was on Hezekiah. Say, you aren't going to get through God isn't going to rescue you. God isn't going to uh, come through for you. But Hezekiah says, this is what they're saying about you, God. This is what they're saying about you. And here's lesson number two. When you're in the battle for the particular thing you're praying about, remember the battle is not yours, but God's. It's not your fight. And sometimes you have to come back to God and say, look, this is what's going on. In, in Hezekiah's case, he physically picks up a document and says, look, Lord, this is what they're saying. And I have to say, the Lord was gracious, gracious enough to give me an illustration of this the last few weeks. We had a trustees meeting a couple of weeks back, and someone presented it as, as a document, I won't tell you the details, that was a little concerning, frankly, right? So we're sort of mulling it over and everything else. And I just felt, because I'd just read this, I said, well, let's pray about it, right? Let's lift this thing up before God. So we literally picked up the bit of paper and went, look, Lord, look what's going on. You know, it was a bit like that. And we prayed, said, Lord, we need breakthrough in this. And God was merciful enough in four or five days, I can't remember what it was exactly the time was now, but to, to come through in breakthrough for that for us. I mean, just amazing. So when you're in a battle, remember the battle belongs to God. Whatever the enemy is saying about you, bring it back to the Lord. Okay, well, let's move on then. So, what happens now? So, this insult has come in. Hezekiah has brought it back to the Lord and said, Look, Lord, this is what they're saying about you. And Isaiah, bless his heart, speaks another very specific word into the life of the nation. In fact, against uh, Sennacherib directly, essentially. And he says this in verse 32 now, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, 2 Kings 19 will be on the screen. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it, what they used to do. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. And I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of my servant, of David, my servant. And here's the, here's the next lesson. If we are to be LTK people, that's Loving the king, live the kingdom, good, is we need to learn to live with that apparent contradiction of the, what we see with our eyes and what we see in faith. 
The reality was not what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, look, he won't enter this city, won't even fire an arrow against it, he won't build siege ramps. I mean, Isaiah, hello, there's a couple of hundred thousand uh, military men on the lawn. You know, these guys have ransacked every city in sight, and hello, they're not going to come in here. There's a tension sometimes between the what we see and what we see. And we, as people of faith, as kingdom people, need to get used to that tension, that apparent contradiction. We walk by faith and not by sight. Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, kind of talks a lot about it. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but, on what, un- but what is unseen is eternal. And he says, goes on to say in chapter 5, if we walk by faith, not by our physical sight. And if we are proposing to be living out the kingdom, we've got to get used to this. We've got to get used to the fact that what we see isn't necessarily what our spirits are seeing or even the prophetic is saying. We need to look things in the supernatural, not in the natural. And Amen. Right, let's move on then. And we get to now the very, very pinnacle of the story. And forgive me getting excited about this because this is the best part of the story. So if you've, you know, if you've zoned out a bit, come back with me, right? Because this is the best bit. Right. So this, let's give you the context here. So in my Bible, this story goes on for five pages, pretty much. I mean, you've got all the stuff beforehand, right? This is, this is all of it. And uh, there's, you know, insult and faith message, faith message and insult, sort of ding-dong. It's a bit of a script, really, between, you know, Hezekiah, Isaiah, and the, the people of, of, of Assyria, right? And... Um, Let's paint the scene here, right? So the scene is this. Jerusalem is the last standing city, pretty much. There's hundreds of thousands of military men right outside the city walls, okay? Loads of cities have already been ransacked by this mighty army. Even six cities of of Judah have been ransacked, right? So it's not as if, you know, other cities just down the road haven't been ransacked. Pretty much Israel has been wiped out. Samaria, the capital city, has been ransacked. All the people deported back to Assyria. And they're all saying, we're coming to get you Jerusalem. Okay? So that's the scene. And we get this beautiful little one verse. 2 Kings 19, verse 35, basically says this. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian army. When the people got the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Fantastic. I mean, I struggle a bit with the carnage of it, right? The bloodshed of it. But, you know, these were dark days and it was a war situation. But 185,000 soldiers wiped out on one night? That's like his lances. That's two Wembley stadiums. Or if you like, that's pretty much the whole population of Bournemouth, Right? And it says, and I love this little line, it goes on to say, So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh, and he stayed there. I mean, I bet he did, poor bloke. All of his best men, gone overnight, right? And here's the thing, here's the lesson, right? When you're praying for breakthrough, remember tonight everything 
can change. Tonight, everything can change. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're facing. But this night tonight, everything can change. You might think you're doomed. You might think nothing's going to change. You might think God can never break through here. 185,000 soldiers in one night. That's breakthrough. That's the God of the breakthrough. That is Baal Perizim. God who breaks through the ranks of my enemies like a raging flood. And when we're praying, just remember who we're praying to. Because he's not lost any of his mighty power. He's not lost any of his mighty strength. And here's the thing, right? I think, goodness me. If I was writing two kings, it would be very, very different, I think to myself. Because there's all this dialogue, all this, oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, you won't. (laughs) Pantomime season again, right? But yeah, well, basically, there's a script here of like, you know, we're going to wipe you out. Oh, no, you won't, says Isaiah. And then this one verse, 185,000, gone, boom, bang, game over, right? And I'm thinking, well, I'd like to know a little bit more, Lord. Please tell me a little bit more how this one angel can do this terrible, terrible thing. But here's the last lesson, really. The, the writer here has laid it out because God is just as interested in our journey as he is in the destination, right? God is just as interested in how we get there as to where we get to. Because, let's face it, I mean, spoiler alert, look away now if you don't don't want to know the result, but Jesus wins in the end, right? Okay, He always gets the victory, right? But that's the point. We know the ending is certain, but sometimes we don't always thank God for the journey he puts us on. And our faith muscles, when we walk in faith for breakthrough, get a little workout every now and then. It's just a way of things, right? Sometimes God comes through, sometimes God makes us wait. You know that. But be encouraged. Be encouraged from God's word. When you're praying for breakthrough, that one night everything could change. And that day could be today. What a difference it would make to you, to me, if tomorrow morning the whole world looked different.